Welcome to the Pastor Nick Santo Podcast, a podcast designed to help you live closer to Jesus. We hope that God uses it to encourage and empower you in His plan for your life. Now let's get into today's content. Tonight, we are in Daniel chapter 1 for our time in the Word. And so I ask you to turn there, and I'm going to pray briefly right now and just ask the presence of God to uh, make himself really known through the word tonight, and then I'm going to read Daniel 1, and we'll get into our message. And so, Father, we uh, come to you tonight, and we want to thank you for uh, using your word in our lives so powerfully. And we want to thank you, Lord, for giving light and, and power to your church. And Lord, tonight we are here because our hearts are open to the filling of your spirit and we want to have our lampstands full, we want to be effective, we want to stand uh, even if the rest of the world falls, and we want to be an example and a light of the power that you can give to a person. And so right now, Lord, as we approach the word and we look at this wave cutter, Daniel, and, and Lord, we desire that you would speak to us. So would you please soften our hearts right now? Would you fill us with your spirit? Would you give us vision and hearing to be able to discern and know, Lord, what you're saying to us, and that you would move us in the right way in the right direction? So Father, we invite you. We pray your presence and your spirit now upon this time, and it's in Jesus' name that we ask. Amen. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the globalist regime of their day, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spoke to Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, king's servants that had been medically castrated for the sake of trust, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability, some pose, poise in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans, that is, to assimilate them into the culture, to teach them the language. You might know the ropes of Babylon a little bit. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them for three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, 
prove your servants. Test us, I beseech thee, for ten days. And let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink, vegetables and water. And let our countenances be looked upon before you and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as you see, deal with your servants. So give us veggies, give us the Daniel diet, give them the king's meat and wine, and then we'll just stand side by side and we'll do a little strongman competition and we'll see who's better off. And you can then tell us and we'll submit. So he consented to them in this manner, and he proved them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine which they should drink, and he gave them pulse or veggies. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And here's our verse, verse 21. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus, four kingdoms later. The title of the message tonight is, Can You Continue? I want you to just ask the person sitting on one side of you, can you continue? Can you continue? Now, the word continue is actually a very interesting word. It's really kind of actually a boring word, <laughs> you know, if you really think about it, because it just kind of, I mean, it kind of deals with the middle, you know? Like the word start, that's a very exciting word. When someone says, hey, I'm starting school, or I just started writing a book, or I'm starting a podcast, that's very exciting. We say, yeah, like when we want to start something, we're into it. It's exciting. The word finish, that's a very exciting word. When someone finishes something, when someone says, I just finished writing my first book, you're like very excited for them. When someone finishes their career and they retire, we throw a party for them. It's exciting. When someone says, I just finished my rehab for whatever they might be trying to rehabilitate, that's exciting. They finish something. But continue is boring. It's in the middle. It just implies consistency. And nobody gets excited about, nor do they get rewarded for, consistency. It's just one of those things that it's just the way it is. No one ever congratulates you for maintaining a healthy lifestyle. If you drop 50 pounds, everybody says, wow, great. But if you're one of those people that dropped 50 pounds like eight years ago and you kept it off, no one ever comes to you and says, you know what? You did a really, you're doing a really good job. You know, you're not on the yo-yo thing, but you're just being consistent. Good for you. Nobody ever does that. No one ever ever goes to a, a, a person and says, hey, you just hit the start button on the dishwasher for the 4,004th time. Congratulations. You know, you, you have burned through three washing machines in 20 years. Good for you. You're consistent. You're continuing. You're steady. We just don't do that. 
We are excited about starting. We're excited about finishing. But what about the people that just continue? Their tattoo is not step out. Their tattoo is not I conquered it. Their tattoo is keep going. Just keep going. Continue. Well, listen, those that continue are wave cutters. They're the people that grind out and grind through day by day, and they live according to their values and their goals and the vision that they have, and they don't let something stop them. They don't get discouraged. They just continue. And there's probably not a greater example of someone who just knows how to continue in the Bible than this man, Daniel. He is probably one of the ultimate wave cutters in scripture as you look at what happened within his life. Now, what do we know about him from the text that we read? We know, first of all, that he was either the son of or a nephew of or some close relative to the king because it was the king's seed that the children were taken from. That's what we know about him. We know that he was born and that he lived in Jerusalem, that he was a part of a prosperous family that lived in unsettled times. We know that Daniel and his friends came into their prime, the prime of their young adult life, in very chaotic times and at the end of an era. They were citizens of Israel. It was a long-standing, free and prosperous nation that is now falling, it's in the process of falling into the hands of the global order of their day, which was Babylon. Now understand that a global government is not something that's new. It's not an idea that just came up that they're trying. No, there's always been a global agenda, a global government of sorts. It has just never succeeded in dominating the entirety of the globe. But for this season... The globalists prevailed over Israel, over the people of God. And so Daniel got kind of ground up in this overthrow. And so we know that early in his young adult life, he was educated, he was competent, he was clear-headed, but he became the victim of a foreign invasion wherein the hostile aggressor nation of Babylon came in and overthrew Israel killed probably many members of Daniel's family, certainly members of his neighborhood, his friends in society. And he found himself and some others carried away into Babylon as prisoners of war and then brought into a program wherein they would be assimilated that they might be used to serve the king that killed their family. I mean, that's pretty remarkable when you think about what Daniel's going through in this time. Now, it's out of that background that Daniel became a man of influence, a man of prominence, a protector of his people, and he became a man who moved in the realm of the prophetic. God raised him up to give information to the world and even to us today of things that were to come. And what we know of Daniel is that the hallmark of his life is that he continued. He continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. And so as we look at the man Daniel, and he is laid out before us in the scripture, there are certain things, elements of his person, of his character, of what was forged in him as a man of God 
that made him a wave cutter, that made him continual. And those are all things that we can pray in and allow God to work into us. They're options that we have to take or leave, but they will make us continual if we will receive them. And so what are they? What do we see of Daniel? And so I've got four things. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. The first one is that Daniel was a man of purpose. Daniel was a man of purpose. We're told in verse 8 of chapter 1 that in the middle of all this assimilation and chaos and education and re-education that was going on, it says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat or of the king's wine that was there before him. Now, the word purpose is an interesting word because he, it doesn't say that Daniel decided, made a decision. It doesn't say that he resolved or made a promise to himself. It says that he purposed. The word in the Hebrew language means, listen, it means that he considered, he rehearsed, and he worked through the decision. He considered it. it, means he thought about it. He gave it thought. He understood it. He rehearsed it. He played out the different scenarios and what it would mean for him and for his life. And he worked through those things. He purposed in his heart. Ultimately, what it means is that Daniel reasoned through what he did. And I want you to understand that that was an element, not just of Daniel's moment in verse eight, but it was the kind of man that he was all the time. He was a man that reasoned through what was going on around him and how he would respond to the situation. He wasn't a reactionary, he was a responder. And so he reasoned things through. That was what kept him going and that was very important for Daniel's continualness because of everything else that was going on. Now here's what we know about Daniel. We know that he loved God we know that he was well taught and that he was wise, all right? He loved God, was well taught, and he was wise. That means that Daniel was aware of not just what was going on right in front of him, but he was aware of everything that was going on in the big picture of things. Now, I want to share with you a passage of scripture from Jeremiah chapter 29. But before I do, I'm going to flash a picture up on the screen that I want you to look at. Now, I'm not a Hebrew Bible history scholar. For that reason, I did the picture. Yes. For the reason I bought a Bible that helps me with history. And I love this Bible because on the top of every page, it tells you what year it is when the events on that page are taking place. I want you to see something is that Daniel chapter one, you see it 606 BC. All right. Jeremiah chapter 29, also 606 BC which means that at the same time that Daniel was carried away into Babylon, Jeremiah was the aged prophet. He was the man of the previous generation that was speaking into the life of those that were of the younger generation. And Daniel no doubt listened to what Jeremiah had to say. And here's how I know that, because listen to what Jeremiah says in chapter 29. He says this, he says, now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives and to the priests and prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. So this is a letter from Jeremiah essentially to Daniel. 
And here's what he says. After Jeconiah the king and the queen and the eunuchs and the princes of Judah and Jerusalem and the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem, by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan and Geron and Hilkiah and Zedekiah, the king of Nebuchadnezzar, saying, verse 4, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Listen to the word. He says, build houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take wives, beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. Watch this, verse 7. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captives and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall you have peace. In other words, God says, listen, you're going to be taken away by a hostile nation. And I want you to pray for that nation. And I want you to seek the peace of that nation and the good of that nation. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither listen to your dreams which you caused you to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, here's his word, that after 70 years are accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word to you in causing you to return to this place. Famous verse, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. That means all of this is calculated. I'm in control of all the things that are going on right now, past, present, and future. Then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, says the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, says the Lord, and will bring you again into the place where whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Now, Daniel hears this word from Jeremiah. He sees everything that's going on and he concludes within himself. He reasons within himself that what is going on around him and what's happening to him is from God. He says it in verse two. Look back at verse two of Daniel chapter one. He says that the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand. Meaning that Daniel understood that what was happening was from God. And so he was a man of reason. And so here's what he did. He didn't resist what God was doing. He embraced what God was doing. And that's what made him continue. It made him a continuer, okay? He realized in and of himself that God right now was against Israel. And so Daniel wasn't against Israel. Neither was he for Babylon. Daniel was pro-God. That's what he was. And he realized that God is doing something bigger right now than my country. And I'm not going to let my love for something lesser interrupt my part, place, or purpose in something that's greater. And so Daniel went with God and not with what he felt comfortable with. He, he knew the choice was that I can cling to what's comfortable, my life in Israel, or I can cling to him who's constant. And he knew intuitively that what is comfortable can't continue, but what is constant would make him continual. 
And thus he was called to serve an ungodly king, and he received that call as from God. He reasoned that through. Now, because he was a reasonable per person, a person of purpose, he allowed God to speak to him and conduct his affairs while he was in Babylon, which was why, in verse 8, he drew a line in the sand between what he would do and what he would not do. Learn the language? I'm good with it. Assimilate with the culture? I'm good with it. I got to wear Babylonian clothes and Babylonian dress and I got to shave and I'm good with it. I'll do it. But once it came down to something that would defile him personally, he said, no, I'm still going to stand with God when it comes to those things. And so when the prince of the eunuchs came to Daniel and said, listen, the king is mandating this vaccine and you've got to take it. And Daniel purposed in his heart that he didn't want to be defiled with something and that it wasn't of God for him to take what the king was prescribing at that time. He did not resist it, but what he did is he asked God essentially to make a way for him to not defile himself in something that he didn't feel was right for him. And listen, God opened a door for Daniel to not have to do something that was against his persuasion and conviction. It didn't change the law. It didn't change what the king wanted to do. But Daniel asked for a way for him. And this is what you've got to understand, is that we don't look to the law to legislate what happens to us. We look to the Lord. And thus, when there's something that comes down that we don't agree with, that we don't like, we ask God for wisdom and reasonableness for a way wherein he might lead us in the way that he would desire for us as individuals. And what's amazing is that God made a way. There is, now I know someone's going to argue with me over this, all right? But there is no scientific way, all right, that the Daniel diet makes you stronger, okay, than eating prime rib, okay? All right, now I know someone here is going to be like, yes, it does. I've done both, all right? My deadlift, my bench press goes down when I'm on the Daniel diet. It's just the way it is. What this means, God did something supernatural for Daniel because Daniel needed God to make a way where it seemed like there was no other way. But it happened because Daniel was a man of purpose, a man of reason. And here's the point, is that Daniel was continual because his reason was in, from, and for God's purposes and not man's. Daniel loved Israel, but he understood that when Israel was on the wrong side of God, he was going to give himself to God. And Daniel took time to understand the big picture of what was going on around him. And he formed his actions according to the purpose of God, not the opinion or the desire of men. He was a man of reason. You and I have that same ability because we have the spirit of the living God inside of us is that we can see the big picture of what's going on around us, not what's just put right in front of our faces or what's here right now. And we can live our lives being led by his spirit with reasonableness. God will give us that ability. Daniel wasn't just a man of purpose. He was also, number two, he was a man of prayer. See, not long after Daniel is accepted into this high-ranking position, the king begins to have some nightmares, and he's troubled, he can't sleep, he needs help, he wants some interpretation for his dreams. And so what the king does is he puts the word out to all the magicians, astrologers, soothsayers, psychics, and wise men of his realm, and he says, I need you guys to interpret a dream for me. 
And so they come to the king and they say, okay, shoot. And the king goes, it's a problem. I forgot. You ever forget a dream? He, he says, I forgot. And they said, well, <laughs> tell us the dream. We'll give the interpretation. He goes, no, 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 no. You tell me the dream and the interpretation or I'm going to cut your head off. How do you like those terms? And they go, no one's ever asked anybody to do this before. What you're asking is unreasonable. Now, just to put it in perspective, that would be like the president gathering all the chefs of the realm. And he says, I'm hungry, but I don't know what I really want. So I want you to know what I want, and I want you to make it. And if you fail, I'm killing everyone in the hospitality industry in the entire nation. That's the terms. Okay, go. And that's essentially what the king does here. He says, tell me the dream and the interpretation or I'm killing everybody. And also, Daniel and his three friends were included in that sector and in that realm. Okay, so Daniel finds out my life is in jeopardy now because the king's a psychopath. And he hasn't slept in a long time and he really needs a nap. And, and, I, and we need some help here. Okay, so we're in the rest of all the people were scrambling, hiding, buying guns, forming militias, all the things that they would do. Daniel does something incredibly different. And I want you to see what it is. Look at Daniel chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. It says, for this cause, the king was angry and very furious, and he commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Now watch this, verse 14. Then Daniel, then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made known the thing to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and he desired of the king, so he speaks one-on-one -on -one to him, that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and his companions that they would take to social media with this issue, that they would get likes and form sides and build a militia and buy ammunition and move to an island and flee from the presence of this wrathful king. No. That they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning the secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Daniel's leadership action in solving a complex problem was to pray. He dropped to his knees and he began to ask God for a solution to a problem that no man could solve. The solution could only come from God. Let me ask you a question, Christian, in these complex times in which we live, wherein all of us are affected by crazy things that are going on all around us. Is your aim and goal to make a point or solve a problem? Which one is it? Okay, Daniel's problem was so complex that only God could solve it, and Daniel was wise enough to go to God for a solution. Now, here's the good news. God gave it. Because God says that's what he will do when we ask him for help in complex situations. 
The prophet Jeremiah, again, is chapter 33, verse 3. Listen to what God says. He says, call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. God, I don't know what the psychopath king is dreaming or thinking. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes right now. I don't know what discussions are being made in closed doors. All I know is that it is affecting me, my family, my church, my community, my county, my state, and my nation. And God, if you would right now, give me my part in being a solution to the problem and not just a loud voice that's making a point. Would you please help me, God? And God says that he will. And God did it for Daniel. He gave him the answer. God gave Daniel the dream, showed him what it was, and he gave Daniel the interpretation so that he could go into the king, tell him the dream and the interpretation. And not only did the king then finally get some sleep, but all of the lives of the people in that sector were saved because God did something that man could not do. Okay, now God did more than just give Daniel the answer to his prayer and his request. He also gave Daniel a little bit of perspective. Listen, when God comes through like that and he tells you something so supernatural, you learn a thing or two about the size of God. And Daniel certainly did. Look at chapter 2, verse 19. It says, then was the secret revealed to Daniel in the night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. Do you know that God can change the times and the seasons? He removes kings and sets up kings. Do you know that God has the authority to do that? He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what's in the darkness and the light dwells with him. And then he gives thanks. Verse 23, I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee, for you have now made known unto us the king's matter. God gave Daniel an amazing perspective and the outcome of all of this is that Daniel rose from obscurity to great prominence in Babylon. Listen, here's the point. The point is that continuance doesn't come from protesting, but it comes from producing. And problem solving starts with prayer. Daniel dropped to his knees. Now listen, Daniel could have chosen in the same situation to disapprove of the king's edict, to dissent from the king's request, and to defy the king's orders. But do you know what the result of that would have been? He'd have been dead. <laughs> because the king's going to overpower dissent. But what he chose instead was to drop to his knees. And in going to God for solution to the problem, he defeated the king's edict, he defended his people, and he continued and was elevated. Do you realize the path that he's on? He went from little slave boy, okay, to being favored by the prince of the eunuchs, to being favored by the king, to now he's a man of prominence. He's elevated in the council. He's continuing. Well, time goes on. And the third thing, if you're taking note, is that Daniel was a man of perspective. He gained perspective as he grew in God. Perspective was given to him. The word, the word perspective, it's an interesting word. It's, it's really the combination of two words. It's periscope, which is that, remember in the cartoons, that little thing that would 
pop up from the submarine and, the, and, and you could look all around. It's periscope means to be able to see 360 and then spect, spectacle or you know, spectator, it means to see. And so perspective means that you can see full circle. And that was something that Daniel could do. He, he saw the big picture of things and he got there through prayer. Now I want you to understand what that did for him. The fact that he had perspective, that he could see the big picture of things, okay? God was after Nebuchadnezzar. Now, I don't know why, but God wanted to save the man who killed a lot of his people. God wanted to show mercy to King Nebuchadnezzar. And God was knocking on his heart. That's why he was having these dreams. That's why God put Daniel in his presence, because God wanted to reach this godless, idolatrous, awful person of a king. God wanted to reach him, okay? Now, not too long passes. Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. This time his dream is of a giant tree so big that it filled the whole earth. It fed the earth. It gave shade to the earth. It gave a place for the birds to lodge, and it was massive. It was huge. And then in the dream, the king hears a voice of an angel talking to another angel, and he says, cut it down, and he hears a chainsaw fire up. You know, a divine Husqvarna, you know, big one. And a big angel there holding the thing. And Nebuchadnezzar gets shaken by this. He hears the sound of this chainsaw rumbling, you know. And he's like, what is this? And he hears the voice of the angel say, cut it down, but leave the stump. That among the children of men, it might be known that the most high rules in the realms of men and God sets over it whomsoever he will. And Nebuchadnezzar begins to think, oh, I think this dream might be about me. <laughs> And so he wakes up from the thing in a cold sweat and he knows where to go. So he goes right to Daniel. And he says, Daniel, I had this dream. This is what I heard. He, this time he doesn't make Daniel tell him. He tells Daniel, because I know you can do that, but I'm in a hurry. He goes, this is what happened. This is what I heard. This is what's going on. Tell me what this thing is all about. Now, I want you to hear what Daniel said to the king in this, okay? Because it is, it's, it's of the utmost important. In verse 19, it says, then Daniel whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour. And his thoughts troubled him because he knew the interpretation and he figured once he tells the king, the king's just going to kill him. But the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, don't let the dream or the interpretation of trouble you. And Belteshazzar, that's Daniel, that was his Babylonian name, answered and said, my Lord, now watch this. Listen to these words. Let them sink deep into you. He says, my Lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to your enemies. Now, there's one thing that can happen in politics that you can blow smoke, okay? It's where you say things that you don't mean for the sake of your own position and, and, and poise and all that kind of thing, all right? This is the Bible, which means that if Daniel, this man of integrity, if Daniel says to the king, king, I wish, I wish that this dream was for the people that hate you and for your enemies. That means that Daniel meant it when Daniel said, I wish that this dream was for your enemies. Think about that for a minute. You ever had someone kill your family? You ever had someone invade your neighborhood and kill everybody and take you as a prisoner of war? You ever have someone on a war path to dominate the whole world and have total control over all things of your life and every part of it? You ever have that happen to you? What's your inner attitude towards that person? Do you know who... Nebuchadnezzar's enemies were? You know who the people that hated Nebuchadnezzar were? Daniel's friends. 
Daniel's family. Daniel's saying, I wish that this dream was for my people and not for you. And Daniel meant it. That takes some perspective. Daniel sees something here that you and I don't see. He knows something that we don't know. We have this thing in our house. Um, I have better physical vision than my wife. In fact, it's way better, all right? If she's without corrective lenses or contact lenses, it's a joke. It's, she can't see without these things, all right? I can see things in the natural world that she cannot see. However, flip it, in the spiritual realm, she can see things that I can't see. I don't have the corrective lenses, and I'm stumbling over things, and sometimes she sees things that, that I don't get at all. In the Arlington School District where we live, we're, we're homeschoolers, and homeschoolers and public school administrations don't mix well. It's kind of like oil and water, putting it mildly. And as of late, there's been some issues in that district where the administration of the school is making life a little bit difficult for homeschoolers, you know, doing some things that, uh, whatever. And we've had some problems and some things and some problems, okay? And, 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 and you know, and, and my attitude is, Lord, smite them. You know, Lord, smite them to the ground. You know, stop them, crush them, Lord. May there never be public school again. Sorry for those of you that are praying and hoping that, you know, Lord, smite them, you know. Do you know what she did? She sent them lunch. She sent lunch to the superintendent. I don't mean to steal her blessing or anything like that. She sent lunch to the, to the superintendent and to his staff and the whole thing. And I'm like, are you, what? Are you crazy? You know, and, and, and but, but here's what I realize is that she sees something that I don't see. She sees something that I don't see. She sees that a saved superintendent is better than a shelved superintendent. And she sees the bigger picture of what God might be doing in trying to reach him rather than me just looking at the mere physical element of what is to my own comfort or to my own convenience. Now, there is a line, okay, because sometimes she sees a little bit too much, all right, there, we, have, we have friends in the church, and their bank is dealing with them a little bit um, unfairly, you know? And, and she told me the other day, she said, I'm going to call customer service and just complain on their behalf. And I, and I just looked at her, and I, <laughs> and I said, please don't do that. And she goes, well, why not? Someone, I said, please, listen to me. That's like calling Satan and complaining that he's oppressing the people of God. All right, that's his job. Like that, they're not, don't, please don't do that. It's like calling the local drug dealer and complaining that the kids in the neighborhood are getting hooked on drugs. You know, it can go too far, you know, the whole thing. But, but, but really, let me ask you the question. Is what's better, a saved Cuomo or a shelved Cuomo? What's better, a saved Soros or a shelved Soros? What's better, a saved Gates or... <clears throat> What's, what's better? See, the perspective of what God gives to a wave cutter is that there's a bigger picture at play than what we just see in the natural realm. And God is doing something bigger, and he's a God of mercy. And he wants to and needs to save those that are in darkness. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. It is not for judgment that the Son of Man came into the world, but to show mercy and you and I were one times alienated from the life of God. We were in darkness, and he saved us in darkness. And God wants to do the same thing even for those that are now our enemies. And it is a person of perspective that will cut through the wave of seeing only what's in the natural 
and will receive a heart of love for the very people that are their enemies. What inspired Jesus Christ to say from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? What was it in Paul that inspired him to say, I wish I could go to hell so that my brothers, the Jews, could go to heaven? What was it in Moses that said, Lord, if you're not going to be merciful to this people, then just blot me out of your book? What was it in Daniel that would look at this king who probably killed his parents and said, I wish that this dream was for someone else? He had perspective. He could see something that most of us don't see but it's a perspective that God wants to give us to be able to see things the way that he sees things. Finally, number four, Daniel, not just a man of perspective, but he was a man of principle. Time goes by, Nebuchadnezzar finally dies. He hands the torch of authority onto his son, whose name was Belshazzar. He comes to power. And in the days of Belshazzar, Babylon falls to the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians, they rise. Now, their kingdom falls, but Daniel continues. He remains in a position of prominence, and he becomes the chief of staff for Darius, who is the king of the Medes and the Persians. Now, this is the third king, okay, because Daniel was chief among Nebuchadnezzar, among Belshazzar, Then among now, number three, Darius, the king of the Medes. And listen, in his days, the days of Darius, the Medes and the Persian, Daniel now has some history. He's getting a little bit older. Some of the people in the cabinet of Darius don't like Daniel. And so they launch a persecution against Daniel, trying to remove him from a place of prominence. There's a conspiracy Okay, the means of the conspiracy is that they want to frame Daniel. And so what they do is they tap his phone and they subpoena all of his Google searches and they get into his camera and his computer and different things. They watch him, they listen to him. They spy on him 24-7 for a period of time. They have a huge budget put towards this conspiracy of trying to take Daniel down. But they can't find anything on him. He had such integrity, so they come up with a secondary plan. Here's what they do. They make a law, listen to me, they make a law that outlaws prayer. They make a law that says, no Bibles, you can't meet together, but it's only for a while. You can't meet, it's just 30 days. It's just 30 days, you can't pray. And they actually get the king to make it a law that no one can pray for 30 days to anyone but the king. And if anyone prays to anyone but the king for this 30-day period of time, then they will be fed to the lions, literally put into the lion's den, which was a real thing that actually existed. Okay, it's just 30 days. It's just to bend the curve on, on on the king's ego and on the prominence of those people that want to take Daniel's it's just 30 days that you're not going to pray. You could pray, just don't do it publicly. Don't get caught. You know, just close the, close the blinds. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just. Daniel says, it's just disobedience. I have a relationship with God. Everything I am is because of him. My whole entire identity is wrapped up in who he is. It's just nothing. And Daniel hears this proclamation, this man who is willing to go along and submit with assimilation, who is willing to get the haircut. 
But he says, this is where I'm drawing the line. He says, I'm not going to stop seeking my God. He goes to his house. He opens the window. He opens the curtains. He puts his head out towards Jerusalem, and he says, oh, God. And they say, yes, God, we got him. And he does, in defiance, what he knew he was called to do because he knew that to obey man was to disobey God in this matter. And he did it. Daniel chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Listen to what Daniel says. He says, Wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his bedroom toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Daniel did it. Now, what was the consequence? The consequence is that Daniel was actually fed to the lions. His principle was, this is what I'm called to do. This is who I am. I'm going to be true to what I am and who I'm called to be before God. And he went forward with it, even though it was in defiance of what the king decreed. And the outcome of it is that he actually had to face the legal consequences of disobeying the king's command. Now, I imagine that that was an amazing fear that he had to overcome. I mean, he's a human being. I'm sure when they rolled away the stone of the lion's den and he sees all those lions in there and, and he's tied up about to be thrown, I'm sure that he had to face the fear of what will happen if. He also probably had to face the, the ridicule of the people in his circles. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're like, Daniel, did you, why are you, just shut the curtains. Like, why, it's 30 days. Did you really have to, he had to face all that. But he faced it because he said, no, if we give in on this, then what's next? If we allow the king to usurp the authority of God in our lives, then what will that mean coming down the road? Now, just think about this for a minute, because Daniel had literally shifted the policy of former administrations to make them pro-God. Now he's in one that's anti-God, and he has the opportunity to capitulate to anti-God or to make a stand for what he knows is right. And he says, I'm going to stand for what's right, even if it means I have to be fed to the lions. And so, long story short, I hope you all know it. Daniel gets fed to the lions. He lives. God shuts the mouth of the lion supernaturally. He faces the consequences. He comes out on the other side with an acquittal. And when he's acquitted, I want you to hear what happens. It's chapter 6, verse 25. When Daniel comes through it, listen to this. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever in his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? Listen, Daniel gets the entire policy of the nation shifted in favor of the people of God because he was willing to stand up and lead through a crisis, face the consequences, and allow God to work on the backside. And the result was that the nation was changed. 
He was a man of principle. I'll go this far and no further. I'll play along to this point, but no longer. And at that point, Daniel made a difference. And watch this, verse 28. It's the last verse of Daniel tonight. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian, the next king that ultimately would be the king that would cause the people of God to return back to their place in the land. Daniel continued. He made it through the entire 70 years and four kingdoms came and crashed, but Daniel continued. That's what Daniel did. That's who Daniel was. Now, we stand right now at the end of an era And we find ourselves as the church of Jesus Christ in this age in Daniel's shoes as a youth in the fading years of a free country. And I want you to understand that there will come a time when there will no longer be a United States of America. Zechariah chapter 5, the prophet Zechariah says this. It's chapter 5, verse 5. It says that the angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, lift up now your eyes and see what is this that goes forth. And I said, what is it? And he said, this is an ephah that goes forth. And he said, moreover, this is their resemblance through all the earth. And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead. And this is a woman that sits in the midst of the ephah. And he said, this is wickedness, and he cast it into the midst of the ephah, and he cast the weight of lead upon the mouth thereof. Okay, so essentially, here's what happens. I'll untie the King James for you, because you're all like, what? (laughs) Zechariah sees the vision of literally a pair of scales, which the ephah was a weight, and the lead was the weight, and it was carried by a woman. It's a symbol of lady justice. You ever seen it? The woman carrying the balance of the scales? And Zechariah essentially sees a vision of lady justice with an ephah, which represents uh, uh, government and economy, this whole thing. So government and economy, she's carrying this whole thing. And he said that this is wickedness, and he cast in the midst of the ephah, and he cast the weight of the lead upon the mouth of it. Now watch verse 9. It says, Then lifted I up my eyes, and I looked, and behold, there came out two women. And the wind was in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork. And they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. So they lift up government and commerce. Then said I to the angel that talked with me, Where do they bear the ephah? Where are they taking it? And he said unto me, to build it a house in the land of Shinar, and it shall be established and set there upon her own base. You know where Shinar is? It's Babylon. Remember Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, it says that they were carried to Shinar, to the place where Babylon was. Listen, there is coming a day when government and commerce will be lifted from what it presently is, and it will be shifted into that global system that the Bible prophesies will come in the last days. And I don't know where we stand right now in relation to the timing of all of that taking place, but I do know this. I know that crazy, complex things are going on in our midst right now, and that many people, many of us, many of God's people are upset, and rightfully so, at the uncertainty and the confusion and the crazy of what's going on right now. But let me ask you this question, you who are upset, who are awake and aware and watching what's going on in our world right now. What do you want? 
Do you want comfort or do you want continuance? What do you want? See, here's the thing. Jesus said this. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you'll know the truth and the truth will make you what? Free. free. That's right. Daniel was a captive, but he was more free than his captors because he was walking with the king of freedom. So what do you want? Do you want the comfort of having things status quo, what they were, what we want? Or do you want the continuance of having the freedom of God at work in your life while you walk with him and allow him to do what he's going to do in the world according to his plan? See, what we need in this time right now, in these complex times, is we, well, what we don't need is reactors, people that just react to what's going on. That's what Babylon wants. You guys, you guys know, you know, this is, the, this is what governments do. This is what power brokers in the world do. They work on the equation of problem, reaction, solution. They use or create a problem, wait for the reaction, and then bring forth the solution, and it always moves things in their favor or towards their direction. So what they want right now from us is they want reaction. Wear a mask. <laughs> Stay home. You know, we react. We don't need to be reacting right now, but we do need to be responding. How do we respond? How did Daniel respond? He dropped to his knees and he said, God, this is a complex problem that only you can solve. And it requires wisdom from another world and vision to see things that can't be seen with the naked eye. And we need to hear a word in our ear right now saying, this is the way, walk in it. And I need to be directed as a dad and as a man for my family, as a man in this society, as a Christian in this culture, in this generation, I need to be led by you right now to know what you want me to do. That's the proper response. See, if you react, you'll post. But if you respond, you'll pray. Because only God can lead us through this right now. And only he knows what the outcome and what it's going to be. But I see a scenario where the church of God calling upon the power of God sees the structure of this snare that's formed around us falling in pieces to the ground. Because God says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will come and I will heal their land. But are we willing to go there with God? Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, And you that were sometimes afar off, alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. If you continue. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 9, he says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound or lawlessness will abound, 
the love of many will wax cold, but he that shall endure, continue. He that shall continue to the end, the same shall be saved. And the question that's before us right now where we sit is will you continue or will you crash? And so, Father, as we consider this man, Daniel, and the great example that he was, not as a trophy, but as a testimony, not as a medal for himself, but as a model for us of what we can be and what we're called to be as the church of Jesus Christ in this time. Father, we're asking tonight that you would empower us to be wave cutters in the same way that Daniel was in the tumultuous times that he lived through. Father, you say that you can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think by the power that works in us. And so as a church collectively right now, Father, we are asking you that you would open up our eyes spiritually. That we'd be filled with knowledge and understanding. That we would be able to see the big picture of what you're doing and that our eyes would be set and fixed there. We're asking tonight that we'd be awakened that we'd be quickened and filled with your Holy Spirit, energized and motivated unto your will and not our own. We ask, Lord, tonight that you would give us a spirit of prayer, that you would teach us to call upon you and to talk to you and to intercede and to pray for our kids and for our country and for your cause, for your church and for the glory of your name in the days in which we live. We're asking that you would soften our hearts. That you'd give us a sensitivity to spiritual things, a hatred for what is evil, and a great love for the things that are an affection to you. That you would teach us what it means to love our enemies. To seek you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and all of our strength. And that you'd give us the faith to do it and follow through. And Father, that by the power of your spirit working in us, that you would make us those that continue. That whatever happens in our society or in our world or our neighborhoods, that our eyes would be so fixed that we would be as Peter who walked upon the water, upon the waves. And that you would keep our gaze steadfast on you alone. So would you tonight hear our prayer, God, as your church? Would you fill us again with your Holy Spirit? Would you baptize us with power to be salt and light in this time now? And if you're willing, Lord, would you restore the church to her glory in the United States of America? Would you start with me, God? Would you start with us here in this room? We look to you. We call on you. We need you. So hear our prayer tonight, Father. Move upon us according to your will form and shape our attitude, our mindset, and correct us where we need it. Oh Lord, you can do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. So answer us now by fire and receive this worship that we bring before you. Thank you for tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Thanks for joining us for the Pastor Nick Santo podcast. To regularly receive these teachings, be sure to subscribe so you can get it automatically when it's released. If you find this material helpful, please share it and help us get the message of Jesus out to others. 
We also appreciate your feedback, so if you would, leave us a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, or email us at pastor.nickpc at gmail.com. Until next time, may you continue to love, learn, and live the way of Jesus.